The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. Trust God, walk free, and don't be afraid. That's my motto, you know, and that's what I did when I went home. I just told the Lord, you know what? I don't know what's coming at me. You do. Guide my heart, guide my words, you know. And I said, I'm not afraid, and I wasn't afraid. And you walk into it. As a young man, Ira Wagler left the Amish community where he was raised, but after many years, he returned home to reconcile with his father. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we're going to hear Ira tell the story of returning home. Stay with us. Thank you for listening. First Person is now heard on over 400 radio stations, and many more of you are either streaming or downloading the podcast of this program. If you haven't done so as yet, you can download the free app, First Person Interview, from your app store. And now that we're beginning to travel a bit more, you can use the app to download interviews and take them with you on the go. Again, search for First Person Interview in your app store. And take a moment, if you will, to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for making this program possible. FEBC's goal is to take Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. That's febc.org. Ira Wagler wrote a New York Times bestseller about leaving his Amish family, but since then, he's written about seeking forgiveness and reconciliation with his father. And that's where we began this interview. This is the second book. Uh, uh, the Broken Roads is, uh, is actually a sequel to the first book, which was called Growing Up Amish. You know, real simple title there. And that book came out nine years ago and did quite well. Uh, was a bestseller, and uh, you know, got my kind of got my story out there. And uh, in that story, it's simply the the you know, it's the details of me growing up and then leaving, coming back, leaving, coming back, and eventually just breaking away, which was, it was it was fairly hard for me. Uh, part of it is probably because. As a storyteller, you know, later in life I became a writer, and uh, that sensitivity that you have to, to remember the details of a story is probably what made it really hard for me to, to actually break away, which mm-hmm. which did happen. You know? Yeah. Well, I think most people listening know what we speak of when we speak of the Amish community, but give us, when when people just ask you, what what are the Amish? What do you say? Well, uh, yeah, it's like you said, uh, most people would have some idea, but, but basically the old order Amish, which is where I come from, and again, there are very varying degrees of of, of, uh, of those people too. You know, from very strict to, to more progressive. Uh, the old orders basically don't drive a car, don't own a car, have a horse and buggy for transportation, and uh, basically have no electricity and no telephones in the home. That's that's how it used to be. But anymore, in the last ten years, uh, the uh, technology has has invaded the community on many levels, and the iPhone is is one thing that. I think is going to drastically affect the culture in the next 10 to 20 years. Is that right? I did not know that. That's interesting. How old were you when you broke away, so to speak? Well, for the first time, and and that story's all uh, in the growing up Amish, I I left, I ran away from home, which, you know, the classic, you know, pack your bag and leave in the middle of the night, Uh, 17-year-old, that's a kid, you know, I was just a kid. And but the drive in me was so strong to, to get out and see, you know, what's on the other side, you know, and and uh, so then uh, I, I left again and again, you know, came back, actually in the first book, joined the church, uh, 
was engaged to be married, and in my mid-20s then was when I, I just decided I cannot do this, and if I stay, I'm going to hurt a lot more people than if I leave, and I just left again, and, and left that devastation behind me. Okay. And it, there was a lot of devastation there. Then would you say you became a Christian after that fact? Uh, it was in the process of breaking away. Uh, I was, I was um, you know, I, the Amish preached the gospel. I, I, I will say that. They preached Jesus, uh, salvation by faith. They just have all these little funny rules that kind of tie in. And so it's not that I hadn't heard the story, and it's not that I didn't know the story, but there was a a friend that I met uh, toward the end of the first book, and he had joined the Amish from the outside, which is really rare. It's very difficult to do, but he had done it. He had married, had a family. I connected with this gentleman and uh, developed a deep friendship with him. I could communicate because he was not from, you know, from the Amish, so he could understand what I, my frustrations. And that man led me to the Lord, you know. And then once that happened, uh, then I was free to go or stay, and I chose to go. Hmm. Well, obviously, the relationships in your family changed uh, dramatically when you made that decision. And let's mm-hmm. talk about that. You, as you said, you've written your story in growing up Amish and now yeah. broken roads, returning to my Amish father. So. Was your father the principal relationship that was broken? Uh, pretty much. Um, and, and again, you know, if it, just to point out, you know, growing up Amish is a story of, of, a, of a young man breaking away. Broken Rose is a story of an older, much more experienced, and, and a much more a person who's seen a lot, uh, basically uh, fighting his way back home, you know. So it's like a big circle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, you know, as far as the culture, uh, I forget what your question was there, but... Um, you can jolt my memory again. Yeah, your that. your relationship with your father was it the most difficult break for well, you? Well, it was. Uh, mothers typically, and my mom was no different. Mothers just love you uh, as much as they can, and in in the Amish structure, as much as they're allowed to. You know, some you know, mother. We were always welcomed and always loved by our mom. My younger brother and I were had both left, and dad was a primary figure. Uh, he and and it wasn't like. We would go home to visit maybe at Christmas time, and maybe you know once or twice a year we just go for a couple of days. You don't stay long because if you stay long, then that that things start to get tense. Just go in for a couple of days and then leave. And uh, my father was, you know, he was. You you want your father's blessing, you know. I don't care who you are, uh, how hard your father was. Eventually, at the bottom, if we dig down there far enough inside the heart, that's what you want. You want your mm-hmm. father's blessing. Yeah. And I I went after it, you know, and it just it just he uh, he shunned me for many many years, um, and 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 shunning in the Amish, you know, it's kind of a misunderstood practice. I think the real conservative plain Amish uh, are harsh shunners. You know, you don't come home. You know, you're not my son. I was more of a moderate, uh, mid level to more progressive uh, peoples where I came from. And my brother and I were always welcome to come home. We we weren't invited, but when we went, we were welcomed. We were never, we were always claimed as the son, you know, as my mom and dad's sons. We were never disowned. Uh, but each time we went, there was always a, a, what I called obligatory admonition. You know, you you need to come home and straighten your, you know, it, it just, it, dad just thought that mm-hmm. he just had to do that, you know. So that was always a part of the process as well. Well, how did you live with that tension? Well, it wasn't really tension. I mean, it was it was a little bit of tension. We were right in the process of it, you know, right in the middle of it. That's tension. But when I'm out back to where I would move to, you know, Indiana, uh, went to school in South Indiana, South Carolina, lived in, then I moved to Pennsylvania. When you're out living life, it's not that big a deal. You know, you just don't think about it that much. I mean, you you want your father, you know, you want your father to, to communicate and bless and all that, like I said. But other than actually going home and facing it, the tension was, was fairly minor, I yeah. think. 
looking back, perhaps from your father's perspective, what do you think he was going through during that time? You know what? Uh, I just, those are, those are hard things because in the process, you know, in the middle of it, you don't think about it. You know, I just like, Dad, you know, uh, why can't you see what I see? And why can't you, why can't you bless me like I want you to, you know? And, and, but later, you know, from this perspective, uh, the second book is basically structured around the man got ill in 2018, late that year, and the day after Christmas, I drove up. He lived, he was staying up in, in Canada where I was born, that community. The oldest sister and her family took care of both of my mom and dad. They both are past now. But in the, the day after Christmas, uh, 2018, I drove up there. He was in a coma, and he was going to die. And I, and I went up to see him and spoke to him in his coma and just said, you know, this is Ira. And this is all in Pennsylvania Dutch, a powerful scene. It's in the book. And I just told him, you have to go to mom. You know, you must go. And uh, two hours later, he died. Mm. Mm. So that was, those, are, those are powerful things. You know, they're, just, they're hard things and they're powerful things. So do I understand that you really never received the verbal blessing from your father? Well, I would say I received the blessing because uh, part, the big part of the shunning uh, equation for him was uh, not eating with me. You know, and so when I go home to visit, They'd have uh, my younger brother never joined church, so there's no big deal. You know, he could eat anywhere because he had never he's not excommunicated, and I had been. And uh, in the book, they're real, most probably three quarters of the way through when I go home to visit mom at Alzheimer's for years, and in that little they lived in a small what they call daughter house, you know, grandpa house. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my sister brought a large tray. It was a Saturday afternoon. I came, I usually went up on a Friday evening, came back on a Sunday, just was there for a short time. And she brought a tray of food over and said, "Here's your supper. Uh, just set it on the small table there." And this is a this is a extremely uh, moving moment for me. I went and sat down at the table. He got up, uh, walked over to mom. You know, kind of she was uh, she's uh, you know out of it. And then he came over and sat down at that table with me, and and we prayed, and then we ate. That that was just that was his blessing. Mm, it was never verbalized. I see. But but he would eat with me. Yeah. And that's a pretty big thing. Yeah. That's a big So thing. I know a lot of years had gone by. You left uh, the second time in your 20s, you said? Well, in the in the first uh, book, the first time I left, I ran away from 17. I, I left again when I was 18, left again when I was 20, you know, and then, then 20, you know. Uh, in, that, in that process, the fifth time I left was the final time. So you can okay. imagine, you know, back and forth and, sure. and the emotional upheaval for the family and for me, you know, each time. And then you still break away. And yeah. it, was a, it was a lot of trauma that I caused that would not have been necessary had I known then what I know now. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't know. And, and how old were you when your father passed then? Well, that happened in 18, so I would have been uh, to 50. I mean, my, I'm 58 now. I would have okay. been two years ago. So a lot, of, a lot of years had gone by. Yeah, about half my life probably from the time that I you know, actually broke away. And those were those were long, you know. When I was close to it, you know, just coming out of it, there, there were there were walls and tension and and arguing. And but as as the years pass, what happened with him was as he got older, the fire he just could not maintain the fire because it was too old. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's one reason the walls came down is because he could not maintain them. You know, and you know what? I'll take it. I'll take whatever's there for for a relationship with my father. I'll take it in whatever circumstances they come. Mm-hmm. You know? But I understand how life goes on, and you live decade after decade. And, of course, yep. it's always in the back of your mind. It's not in the forefront, perhaps. But it had well, to be there at some level. 
You mean as far as the reunification or that yes. kind of thing? Or yes, just, uh-huh. just, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was there, but when you're living, you know, it's like, yes, I want my father's blessing, but it's not like, you can't just sit down and plot for it because it's not going to work. You know, you just, you just try to live and you try to work your way and work your way and work your way. Mom got really sick with Alzheimer's. She was in a coma for many, many years, didn't know what was going on, and I'd go up to visit. And each time, things mellowed. Just, you know, each time he was, and in the end, he was glad to see any child that came to visit him, whether they were Amish or English. We called non-Amish English. So I'd be considered English now. But he welcomed us, everyone. He was glad to see us and, uh, and told us so, you know. And, and so those are, those are memories that you can't take away. You know, you just can't, you know, those are real things. We'll continue our conversation with Ira Wagler, the author of Broken Roads, coming up in a moment on First Person. I so enjoyed listening to the message that FEBC shared on the internet recently, although I cannot attend church or any meetings during this epidemic. I am finding peace and learning so much through your programs. Praise the Lord. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. My guest is Ira Wagler, the author of Broken Roads, Returning to My Amish Father. It's a sequel to his book, Growing Up Amish. And uh, we'll put information about the book and Ira on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. So when you returned to your father and he was ill and close to death there, um, what what was going through your mind? And, and, and talk about the scene for me again, if you would. Yeah, it the scene is, uh, it's one of the more powerful scenes in the book. It's toward the end uh, when I just, you know, it's just like moment by moment me walking into the room. You know, at a time like that, I mean, I knew when I left home and headed up there, you know, I, I spoke to the Lord. I said, you know what? Um, you know, grant me, you know, grant me these protections as I go up there, because I knew that I knew, I knew things were going to happen that I'd, I had never seen before. I mean, I could feel it, you know, and, uh, and walking into a time like that, you, you try to, um, I always say the one of the mottos I try to live by, tell people if they want to break away from any culture, I'll make sure, you know, whatever your restrictive culture might be is to Trust God, walk free, and don't be afraid. That's my motto, you know, and that's what I did when I went home. I just mm-hmm. I just told the Lord, you know what, I don't know what's coming at me. You do, uh, you know, just guide my heart, guide my words, you know. And I said, I'm not afraid, and I wasn't afraid, but, you know, and, and you walk into it. I mean, that's, and some of that comes from experience, you know, from years and years of walking into those hard situations. And this time I knew there would probably be some resolution that he was not going to make it. Yeah. Would you say that you always loved your father? I would say I always did. I would not say that I always recognized inside myself that I did, but I always had very strong feelings, you know, that um, that I want to, I would, you know, to get his blessing and approval. Um, those are things that that I, every child craves. I don't know, care if you're a woman or a man. Um, you want your father's approval and mother's to some degree, but mom was, like I said before, mom was, we were her sons, you know, and she was never going to make it any other way. And she always let us know that she loved us, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that was a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've talked about your mom and dad, your brother. Uh, how did the other extended family treat you during these years away? At the very beginning, you know, back in the 90s, late 80s, 90s, when I when I actually broke away, uh, there were a few of them that were fairly uh, hard, what I call hardcore homies. You know, they were they were pretty stickler for the rules. 
And again, as the years passed, uh, I have there's 11 children in my family. I have five brothers and five sisters. And with time, even after I left, all of them except three, three of them stayed older Amish. All the rest of them moved on to some kind of Mennonite or, you know, a cart where they drove cars. And our relationship was always, I mean, there was early on, there might have been some tension, but in the last 20, 25, 30 years, uh, with my siblings, the relationship could not be better. We love each other, and we are there for each other. Good, and we let each good. other know that, and that's a blessing. Ira, would you say that your faith in Christ is one of the things that led you to this reconciliation? It, it has to be. You know, I'm not uh, coming from the Amish the, to talk about, you know, the faith. I mean, I, I do that some, but that culture is a quiet culture. Um, but it, 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 the gospel, you know, the, the, the power, of the message of the gospel, what the gospel is, Jesus, um, all those things were huge factors. And you walk and your life is a mess often, you know. I mean, that's just life. I mean, my life was messy in many, many ways. But you just keep walking. And yes, I give, I give the fact that that there was any resolution at all, I give God all the honor. You know, mm. it, it's it's Him, and mm-hmm. it wasn't me. Yeah. Well, central to the gospel is forgiveness. Um, talk about forgiveness. I mean, who who, who had well, to forgive who of what? Yeah, that's that was an interesting question. I actually had had that come up in a written uh, in a written form here. Not to, you know, since the book came out, and what I would say to that is, um, you know. My family, me and my family, we had to forgive each other, but I think I primarily I focused on my own flaws. You know, you focus on your own flaws and you walk into a situation instead of focusing on theirs. I think forgiveness can come a lot easier, and, and I think that's what I did. I was more, when the time came, I was like, you know, I want to do what I can, you know, and not focus on the flaws of the father or my siblings, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it worked. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's, you do that, your heart's open. I think the Lord can, can really bless that. Yeah. Well, using the Amish for a moment as a type of restrictive community, and there are others, as you've already acknowledged, but is there help for people who want to break free of that? Did you find any help anywhere? No, no. When I was young, and of course this was almost a generation ago, um, anymore in the bigger communities, there's counseling available. Like, it's not unheard of. When I was growing up, all that was just simply, it's like a strange, uh, strange language. You don't know it, you don't do it, nothing. And, uh, so now there would be more resources, but also uh, to break away, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm at the point now that if a person chooses to stay, you know, and, and they make the, whatever, if you decide to stay Amish, I bless that. And if you decide to leave, you know, and, and you're an adult, you know, and if you're a teenager, and like I was 17, I would not help a person like that because you're a minor, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you're an adult and you want to leave, I I will give you advice, you know. But the choice always has to come down to the individual. Do I want to break away? Do I want to leave the culture? Do I want to leave my people? For me, the answer was yes. And then what happened was I still circled back around and still maintained my relationships, you know. Yeah. It's hard to break away from a culture. It's just really, really hard. Is there anything looking back that you would have done differently? Uh, the primary thing that I think I would have done is it took me five tries to leave. Uh, if I had it to do over again, I would just simply say, Lord, let me get it done in two, you know, because the trauma of that, you know, for me and my family both, of breaking away, going out, okay, he's out there now, and then for me to, okay, I want to come back and try again. And so everybody accepts you, you know, and then a year, two, a year and a half later, you're doing it again, you know. Yeah. 
that that I, I I have deep deep regrets for that, but it just was what it was. You know, I, I can't help it. I think any of us who make decisions at age seventeen look back on it and think, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, we we could have handled that differently. Yeah. <laughs> and especially such a radical decision as that, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no question about that. No yeah. question about that. So your your mom uh, died first, and then your dad subsequently. What was your relationship, and is your relationship with your family after they've passed on? Oh, with with all my siblings at the moment, uh, like I said, three of them are still old order. Uh, my oldest sister, and well, my oldest now that yeah, that's part of the uh, the narrative too. My oldest brother Joseph, he's in the first book. He was actually an, an Amish minister. Uh, he had multiple myeloma, fought it for a long time, ten years, and he passed away a year ago in March. So he passed away three months after my father did. That's not in the book. The, the book ends with my father dying. Well, this is your second book about your experience, this one focusing on your relationship with your father. I'm just curious about the the uh, response from readers, especially the first book and now this book. Well, this book was just released, you know, it's just it's just entering the market. And, of course, with this quotation marks pandemic or whatever, uh, everything's kind of shut down. The first book was uh, tremendous. Uh, it sold 185,000 copies worldwide. And uh, I had people, it's in the back of the cover, it said, you know, where I worked. I basically had people walking into the office from all over the world, you know, Ireland, South Africa, whatever, clutching their book and asking me to sign it. Hmm. And those were, I was just thrilled, you know. And, and the reason they came, they came to Lancaster County because it's a big tourist attraction for the Amish. And since they were there, they realized, hey, I can go see Ira. And so that was a, that was a big thing to, to interact with, with the readers, uh, did a lot of... Um, you know, online interaction. Uh, I, I'm on uh, on Facebook, and so I have uh, I have a lot of relationships there that come from the first book, and I've enjoyed it all. What is it about your story that draws people like this? Well, part of it is a universal theme. I think the first book was leaving home. The second book is going back home, and then, of course, you can't you can't let out of the equation the Amish culture, and that's a, that's just if you're in that setting. Amish are, people are fascinated by them. They tend to put them in a pedestal. They're not, they, they don't belong on a pedestal, they, but they don't, be, they don't need to be criticized unnecessarily either. They're just people, they're flawed, and, uh, and, and they make mistakes just like anybody else does, you know. Yeah. Which I can attest to that because I did. <laughs> I made plenty of mistakes, you know. Well, Ira, for people listening who may not need to break free from a restrictive community, but there are broken relationships, maybe even a broken relationship with their parent, like you've described here. Yeah. What have you learned that you can pass on to, to the rest of us? Well, the the basic thing that I've learned is that you, it's like I said, uh, to go seek forgiveness for someone, focus on your own flaws instead of them. You know, if you co- if you come accusing, you know, Dad, you were harsh on me, and and I'm bitter and broken about that. It's not going to work, you know, because that's going to make them reactive. And I'm not talking just about that's the general human thing. So when you seek uh, when you seek reconciliation, redemption, whatever. Just make sure that your heart is where it needs to be, and, and you don't have to worry about everybody else being what you think they should be, because that's really not your business, you know. And in conclusion, is there any Bible passage that really has guided you in this process? Yeah, I would say so. You know, various ones, but the one that I have um, really latched onto, and especially after the first book came out, was seek the Lord and His path or His ways, and He will grant you the desires of your heart. And I guess that could be taken wrong, you know, the desires of your heart. If your heart is evil, you'll have bad desires. But if you desire the Lord, then he will make those desires right. And I feel that that very strong. We'll put links to both of Ira's books about growing up Amish and reconciling with his father at firstpersoninterview.com. 
These first-person conversations are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company. It's no stretch to say that millions of people tune in each day to FEBC's programs, which are always heard in the local language in nearly 50 countries. The gospel is proclaimed and God's word is taught by indigenous broadcasters who love to serve their listeners. Take a few moments online to visit febc.org and learn more by watching a few of the videos which tell the stories. That's online at febc.org. FEBC until all have heard. And don't forget to find our schedule online at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again next week for First Person.